It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the PowerMizzou.com podcast. This is episode 287, so for the next 13 weeks, we got to think up a big tricentennial thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's That's a good word. I've never really used that before. Uh, So nothing special for episode 287, though. Uh, We'll talk a a little bit Mizzou-Kentucky football. We're going to preview that down the road. The big news of the week, though, is the border war is coming back. Missouri and Kansas and Everybody kind of knows my feelings on this. This is the one thing that that honestly does stoke a little bit of kind of fandom in me. I'm curious, you know, growing up in Louisville, but your dad is a college basketball guy. He went to Mizzou. Kind of how familiar with this rivalry were you before you came to school here and then they didn't play at all? Yeah, I mean, I knew it was a big deal. Um, I would watch, you know, the occasional games. I remember watching both of those 2012 games. Uh those were obviously some of the, the more memorable ones and the last ones between Mizzou and Kansas. But, like, I, I, I so I knew it was a heated rivalry and it was a big deal. I didn't obviously ever go to a game. Um, you know, coming here, I was definitely impressed and still am with how, how much people care about Kansas and bring up Kansas. Um, and like, clearly, it shows that this game needs to be played. These two teams, yeah. like, these two, especially from Missouri side, at least I can say, because I have experience with that, like, they still care about Kansas. They still want Kansas to fail. They still want to be better than Kansas. So what better way to show it than by playing each other head to head? And at least if you're not better than Kansas, at least have Kansas fail. That's, right. yeah. that's really the more, more important thing. So, uh, look, you know our feelings on it. We've talked about it a lot this week, but we want to get the feelings on it. A, from Kansas City, which is kind of the, the heart of this thing, and B, from a guy that, that has a lot more experience with this rivalry than either of us do. All right, John Sunvold now, currently the uh, chairman of the Board of Curators at the university, has a little bit of experience with uh, with the border war. So with that being the big news, we wanted to talk to John this week and, and kind of get a feeling from somebody who's been in the middle of this and – and John, first of all, uh, thanks for taking some time. Second of all, just based on your uh, your Twitter feed this week, you're uh, you're as enthused about this as most people are on the Missouri side. <laughs> well, first of all, Gabe Mitchell, it's good uh, good to be on. And um, yeah, what, what a great announcement! Uh, Jim Stewart called me and said they got it done, which is I think exciting, obviously for a fan base. Um, fans, as you guys know, I mean, this is a, a rivalry. Every, there are a lot of rivalries around, but in the Midwest, um, there's as much hatred to this rivalry uh, from a fan base as there's, you know, as any in the country. So, what, what I first thought of is the fact that players now in both schools will get to experience a game they've never experienced, and the coaches now Bill Self has coached in it, but Conzo and his staff have not coached in this game, and I would be fair to say that I don't think they will have ever experienced anything uh, that will lead up to that event. And then, you know, when they, when they start doing the home at home, that'll even be better than, than just a sprint center. John, obviously you played in this rivalry and you've been around it in a, a number of years since. I'm curious, what what is kind of your first thought when you when you think of, of Mizzou KU? Is there a, a specific uh, game or, or memory for you that, that first comes to mind? So I grew up in Blue Springs, which obviously is on the Missouri side of Kansas City. Um I think the first thing, my freshman year, when we traveled to Lawrence, Kansas, uh, the week, the few days building up to it, obviously I played for Norm Stewart, who was a Missouri guy, Missouri player, grew up in Missouri. 
I think I was surprised. It was the only game in my four years that all of my professors during the week would say, good luck this weekend, good luck <laughs> Saturday. It was the only game that even my senior year walking out, it would be, you know, just walking out of a class and someone, you know, professor say, hey, John, good luck Saturday. It, it meant more than anything. And so my freshman year, we traveled to Lawrence, Kansas. We lost that game. Uh, my teammate, Steve Stepanovich, was a freshman. I remember quickly he was in a headlock from a guy by the name of Johnny Crawford who played <laughs> basketball at Northeast High School in Kansas City. And I knew right then that uh, this was different. This is a a different feel. Uh, the atmosphere was different. The fan bases were absolutely bonkers to each other. Uh, and again, back then it was just home and home twice a year. And it didn't matter what was going on, what the records were. It, it was uh, it was a tough week of practice because, uh, you know, Norm Stewart was going to get us ready. But I don't think there's anything like it. I saw Matt Zimmerman's tweet this week, who was an assistant coach for Mike Anderson here. Been in coaching forever at Arkansas and at Missouri. And he said he's never seen anything like it or experienced anything like it. So I'm happy for not only the fan base, but for players and coaches to experience it because there'll be a lot of pressure. Uh, there's a nervousness to it because now it's just going to be once a year and it's going to be a big event. And I think that puts a little uh, pressure on players, but that's probably the most fun part of playing. So I, I want this cleared up about Norm, and I, I'm not sure. I think Norm likes it not being cleared up, but the story always went that he would never, like you'd spend the night in Kansas City and he wouldn't spend any money in, in Kansas. Was that actually true? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, okay. We'll go with that because, he, well, his big his big deal always was now way back uh, when my freshman year they were done with the uh, Big Eight holiday tournament. There was a right. pre-conference tournament, so I didn't play in that. But his big deal in the conference tournament was always it's played in Kansas City, Missouri. And I would just emphasize that. So in order to kind of stay with that theme always, uh, you know, we weren't stopping in Kansas. We weren't doing anything in Kansas except playing and then getting out of there. And it was always his thought process to it. Uh, it made for, for good lore all the time because most of it's probably true. I'm sure there was a time, maybe not. But, you know, we he, he was emphatic the fact that uh, we weren't going to do anything in that state except go play a game. And the best thing is, and you could talk to other players if they ever won in Lawrence, Kansas, during the practice that week, he would always prepare us. He would say, when we win, he would always say that when we win, we walk off the court and we celebrate in the locker room. No emotion on the floor, no pumping your fist at the crowd. And you could ask probably any player that's played at Missouri under Norm Stewart, and that was always the preparation. When we win, we'll walk off the court and we'll celebrate in the locker room. And I will say this. Uh, Coach Norm could really celebrate in the locker room at Lawrence, Kansas. <laughs> I, won, I, I won there my junior and senior year, so uh, we had a lot of fun. John, one of the interesting things about this this announcement is it, it kind of came uh, came out of the blue. One of the rare things that kind of catches us by surprise. Um, you said you got a call from from Jim Sterk, uh, but did did you have much of a sense that that this was coming? No, I didn't. Uh, I know they've worked on it. I've uh, talked about it. You know, from the day probably Jim Sterk arrived, he'd been. You know, fans have asked about it. He's probably asked Kansas about it. Um, no, I didn't expect it. And, you know, the timing was unusual. Uh, maybe not right before the media, Big 12 media day for basketball. Maybe that was something that 
Kansas looked at to take away just a bit of all the other promotion <laughs> they have going on. So, you know, it was, uh, and I think the chancellors were involved. I know Chancellor Cartwright from here and the Kansas chancellor were at some event the other day or last week together. So I think there were a lot of moving parts on an ongoing basis. And obviously when they did the exhibition game a couple of years ago, the they had to see what impact it had just really just from a, a standpoint Kansas City itself of what it could mean to you know to people around and, and, and historically uh, what it means to people. A couple more minutes with John Sunvold and uh, John, you mentioned there, there have been some issues uh, going on in Kansas outside of this. Um, I, the first reaction that I got from almost everybody that saw this was, well, Bill Self's cool with resuming it now because Bill Self may never coach in these games. I, I mean, I know you've known Bill for a long time. You, you've, you've called college basketball games. You follow it all. I, I mean, just curious as, as much as you're comfortable kind of kind of going into it, I, I mean, what your thoughts are on the situation there, and do you think this is a sign that, like, hey, Bill Self might not be in Lawrence when, the, when most of these games are played? You know, what's, what's interesting about NCAA things is that you don't know what turns they take. Uh, I think, obviously, Kansas has some issues uh, with the NCAA. It'll play out. It'll take a while. Normally, a university has to, obviously, they'll defend themselves until it's, they can't. And now maybe they can. Maybe they've got good reasonings behind what happened. And Bill Self is fine and everything's good. And that, that would be, I mean, I know Bill. I've liked Bill. He's got great teams. I, I get all that. I, the challenge would be if, if they get to a position where it's not going the way they want to go. And, and do do the, the, the supporters, the alumni and everybody, is that the direction they go or do they have to do it differently? But I would think they'll be fine. Uh, these things drag out for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think the NCAA is trying to get some teeth, um, you know, and, try, and, and, and who knows which of these schools that, especially that are part of this FBI probe, which of these schools is going to get hit quickly and get hit hard? Because I think a lot of college coaches want it cleaned up, and whether that's Kansas or whether it's Arizona, wh- whichever one that's in this FBI probe. I think that'll be interesting to see. And, and does the NCAA want to make a huge impact right away, or do they gradually start uh, taking a few programs down? Last thing for you, just uh, I know Conzo has been really high on the team he's got this year. People outside of Columbia who probably just look at, I don't know, they were under 500 last year and lose the guy that scored the most points aren't so high on it. What do you think of, of this team he's got in year three? Well, what I like about it is, in fact, there, there's two things. Uh, I don't think they were picked high because they don't have some superstar. Um, seems like in the league, everybody's kind of signing uh, McDonald's All-American. We've got a lot of kids in the SEC that are going to be first-round draft picks. So when the outcomes, even though the SEC people look at Missouri, they don't see some big superstar. So that's number one. Uh, I, don't, I, I discount all that because I think they've got a lot of good players. And I think what Conzo's building is the fact that they've got, I think they'll have a deep team, a team that can shoot the ball well. I think they've got three or four guys that can really stretch the floor and shoot it. And I think what all of us fans would probably think, can, can Jeremiah Tillman, he doesn't have to be a superstar. I mean, I don't, he doesn't have to be that. He has got to be able to stay on the floor, stay out of foul trouble, because he's an impact. And if he does that, and you put the good athletes around him and guys that can shoot it, 
and really Conzo's known to be a terrific defensive coach. Uh, this is a team that I think will be in the upper half at higher of the league. It has a chance to be pretty good. And, and probably with expectations low, uh, I think that would fuel a lot of the guys on this team that uh, they'll be better than what the so-called experts are picking. All right, John, appreciate it, man. Thanks uh, thanks for the time, and uh, you can get, we'll let you get back to trolling KU fans on Twitter. <laughs> thanks, John. You guys have a great day. All right, see you. <laughs> All right. John Sunvold, uh, again, chairman of the Board of Curators, 2-2 uh, two and two in Lawrence, which I would imagine there's not a lot of guys that yeah, are over 500. Not bad. Not bad for, uh, for the history in that series. All right, now we're going to talk a little bit more border war. Uh, as much as I would like this to just be like a 15-minute minute-by-minute diary of Patrick Mahomes' health. I think Sam Mellinger has enough of that in his life. So instead, we're going to talk about uh, Kansas, Missouri, and we've talked a lot about how much this uh, this rivalry has meant to a lot of people. And, and Sam, I guess I, I heard earlier this week, you considered moving your wedding for a Kansas, Missouri basketball game? <laughs> I, w- I want to be clear uh, <laughs> just for a minute. Yeah. And, and, and never I, I hope you didn't consider I, uh, that out right. loud. Yeah, definitely not out loud to my now wife. Mm-hmm. I, but I made... it just it, it, look, you've been you're a Kansas City guy. Um, I grew up there. I mean, that's kind of the heart of this rivalry. What's been yeah. your sense of of how people have reacted to this since Monday night? Um, I think that it, it's layered, right? Like, uh, there's too many people that that care about um, or now care deeply about not caring about um, right. the rivalry to, to paint them with one brush. But um, it, it, I mean, it's certainly been, you know, I guess the, the second biggest story this week, uh, you yeah. know, but behind a, knee, a kneecap, but um, I think that there's a lot of people that are excited about it. Obviously uh, I think there's a lot of people who are still, you know, maybe dug in on, uh, you know, the stances that they were, sort of push to take right um and you know just to be clear i'm probably going to alienate half your audience here but like that's all right we alienate a quarter of them every week so good there's like just ridiculous takes on this on on both sides of me um you know none more and i'm not patronizing here but like none more than than the kansas part of like well we don't care anymore um you know my ass you know and (laughs) and that that never stopped and and it's been a little bit I don't know if refreshing is the right word, but it's it's been sort of nice to hear Bill Self admit that now, you know, saying, you know, like, I really missed playing this game. And, you know, he said it the other day at the, the Big 12 Media Day at, uh, um, at the Sprint Center about, you know, what we all want to do is play in sort of nationally relevant games. And even if both these programs are unranked, you know, when they play each other, that was just it, it was relevant. You, you could feel that in the competition and, and feel that in the game. And, and, and there were also um, – some and not as many because I think that Missouri sort of as a general rule had always been pretty clear right about uh, we will still want to play the game um, but there, there was also some like well we're in the SEC now so screw KU it doesn't matter anymore and I never believed that part of it either that you can't you can't be around or watch or care about those games and just see how much they meant and and then just flip a switch all of a sudden just because you know, one school goes to a different conference because, you know, a lot of rivalries are just based on, um, you know, geography or just based on conference affiliation or whatever. But I think every you you guys like me, everybody listening probably knows that that Kansas Missouri is is absolutely different. You know, like I always get sick of the war analogies, you know, of in football like throwing a bomb and 
you know, you got to battle and all that stuff. But this is the one part where it fits. Yeah, you know, I mean, this, ri- this is the only down. rivalry that's legitimately based on the people on the other side being terrible people, <laughs> in the opinion of both people. <laughs> Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It is a border. Well, like, that's the whole thing. Like when they went, no, 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 not the border war. It's the border showed us. Like, nope. Screw yeah. you. Still border war. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You mentioned kind of, you know, people on both sides kind of, you know, spouting somewhat the party line and being like, oh, you know, we're, we're too important for this rivalry now because we left or because they left. We don't want to play them anymore. And, and certainly part of that was, you know, Bill Self had said, you know, when Mizzou kind of left, it took the rivalry with them. Um, just a lot of people have asked just the fact that this is finally happening uh you know kind of in in close relation to these uh ncaa notice of allegations and investigation at kansas is that correlated do you think that that is a factor and what maybe went into to bill self signing off on this thing yeah i mean um look like i, I really believe that it's it's never one thing um in in life or in sports and um i don't think that's uh, the lion's share, certainly not the majority, but it has to factor in there in in some ways, right? And and I think that all you need to know is that um, you know the game next season, which the way it looks now, and these things change all the time. But um, the the game next season, um, a year in which Kansas may not be eligible for the postseason, um, but that KU Missouri game at Sprint Center is going to be part of the KU season ticket package, and you know, like everything's relative, right? Like um, I know there's a lot of schools, a lot of programs that would love to have KU's problems selling tickets, you know, right? But, um, you know, it it hasn't been, I'm told, um, you know, season tickets have not been selling the way that they have in the past. So I I bet that's part of it, you know, but um, the the reason, there's a few reasons um, that I don't think it's a huge part of it. And one of them is um, these schools did a really kind of, lazy job announcing this you know it was just like it was a late night monday night uh press release uh mizzou had a really cool video um that they put out for it but it was just you know that's the kind of thing that could have been announced with you know jim sterk and jeff long and Conzo martin and bill self like all at the table at the sprint center you know what i mean and 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 this is where it's going to happen and we do it together and you make it a little bit more of an event um but i i so i don't think it was all of the the NOA. Um, I think there were you know some other stuff going on. Uh, you know, in, including just time had passed, and and uh, and I think Kansas missed it enough to to finally pull the trigger. I I do want to uh, quickly inject this for our listeners, and I do not want to take credit for this line because it was from Gary Parish on the CBS Sports podcast this morning. You mentioned it's possible Kansas is ineligible for the tournament next year which would then make the Missouri game Kansas' Super Bowl, which I think would be a, a wonderful way to uh, get this thing started since that's what Missouri fans have heard for years. <laughs> right. But, uh, it, like, look, the, the reaction I got from a bunch of my friends and everybody immediately when this happened was, well, Bill's agreeing to this now because Bill's not going to be around. Um, you know, he he's not going to coach in most of this series. So, just for fun, if I set the over-under at 1.5 games in this series that Bill Self coaches, which way do you go? Yeah, I mean, that's the right number. Um, that That is the right number. I I think I would go over just because the the most likely path for this, to me, seems to be um, at some point, probably after the season, I don't know, these things drag on forever, uh, but Kansas gets the – 
you know, the actual penalties. And the way it's looking, it sure seems like it'll include a postseason ban, maybe even for for two years. But um, I believe, and maybe this is stupid, maybe this is naive, but um, I've known Bill a long time and had a lot of conversations with him. I feel like I know him a little bit. He is almost, um, and I actually just wrote this in a column that I'm going to write for tomorrow, but um, he is almost like cartoonishly stubborn and competitive. And, and I think that there's a part of him that is, you know, really, and, and this isn't a reference to late night or anything like that, but really <laughs> kind of double bird at the NCAA. And that's, I want to emphasize, this is not about Snoop because I think he was furious at, at how that went down, but he is um, aggressively fighting and, and is again, cartoonishly stubborn in, um, in this fight with the NCAA. And I could see a scenario where, they get the penalties, and he doesn't want to look like the worst thing in his world. In his worldview, is to be soft, and and I think that getting these penalties and then going off to coach, you know, the Grizzlies or whatever, would be about the softest thing that he could imagine. And so I, I could see a scenario where where they get the penalties, and he coaches through that, and then there's a clean break after that. So if, if, in that timeline, I think he would coach two, maybe three border border wars. And obviously also, as we, we're seeing right now, you know, an appeal could, could drastically impact the timeline For of sure. all that as well. Yep. Um, yep. Sam, you know, as I kind of mentioned at the start of our podcast, you know, we still hear a lot from from fans who Mizzou fans who who root for Kansas to fail or keep a lot of tabs on on Kansas and and you know even even though these teams haven't been playing one another, that the fans seem to tend to keep track of of the other one. With you obviously, yeah. you know, being in Kansas City, it may be more pronounced. You know, how much I, does this just impact? You know, kind of the the back and forth between the fans and and the awareness of of one another's programs and and kind of your market. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the only good point, the only good point that the people who said that they didn't care about the rivalry, the only good point they ever had was that a non-conference game in December won't mean the same as, you know, conference games in, in you know, January and February. And, and that is irrefutable, right? And, and I remember Blair, Blair Kirkhoff mentioning, um, you know, when this happened in 2012, when, when, uh, when Mizzou left, of saying, like, the rivalry's not going to go away. It's just going to move from the quarter of the field or whatever to the message boards. And, <laughs> and I think that, that's exactly what happened. But I do think, and I'm curious if you guys agree or disagree, I, I think it hasn't been as intense in 2019 as it was in 2013. You know, I, I think it had been fading a little bit. And, you know, it, it will be a new life. It will be a new in a new form. Um, because, again, like a game on December 20th, um, just isn't the same, certainly not as, as those games in 2012, last time that, that, that they played. Um, but they are going to be on the court together. And, you know, like um, no matter what anybody who roots for Kansas or Missouri has said the last seven years, um, they, it, given the choice, uh, Kansas would rather beat Missouri than whoever the next game is on that schedule, you know, then the, uh, you know, they've, they've had games against Nebraska and, you know, all these other schools. I mean, that, that's going to be a more important game, but um, it won't be. And in some ways it can't be what it was before. I mean, Sam, I don't know if you can overstate the, the heat of a Kansas Nebraska rivalry in basketball, <laughs> right. or that's I mean right. like Missouri opening against incarnate word. These are clearly bigger games than uh, right. exactly. MUKU. I, it, you know, I've, I'm kind of a, 
I, I'm happy that I've got kids that are old enough that they've been to Missouri Kansas games and they kind of get it. I know your kids uh, obviously aren't old enough to understand. It's kind of a new generation being introduced to this, but just from a like I said earlier this week, we all do this job because we're sports fans. Whether we're sure. fans of Missouri, Kansas, or, or some other team, whatever, we do it because we're sports fans, and things like this are, uh, you know, they're good for everybody because it's entertaining. So just as somebody who's seen this rivalry back when it was going on, what's is there a game or is there a story, whether it's on the court or something behind the scenes that stands out to you above everything else between Mizzou and KU? Well, so th- there's three things that pop immediately to mine and and hope maybe i need to get them out fast before i forget them <laughs> but the, the first is just as a kid um this was one of the pathways for me to fall in love with sports missouri and kansas when they played i just always loved college sports and i think that's because my dad always loved college sports and that was just sort of what was on um but you could just tell <laughs> mizzou and and ku it was different it was different than any other game the, the way that the announcers talked, um, you know, even before I was old enough, way before I was old enough to understand anything about the history of the rivalry or anything like that, um, you know, just superficial things like the way the announcers talked, the, the noise from the crowds on TV, the way that the games were, the, um, you know, as you get a little bit older, you notice, you know, the fouls are a little bit harder. And, you know, a guy gets up and he, you know, Some maybe of them don't even get called. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The, those guys are putting their chest out a little bit more than they do. You, you just notice that this is a different game. And when those kinds of things happen, I mean, that's one of the things that made me fall in love with sports. Um, absolutely. And um, the, the second and third are, are a little bit, I guess, tied together. Um, and, and it's 2012. And, um, and I know that's the, the 2007 football game was, was incredible as well. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of people I know who have, uh, you know, even still, so like uh, pictures on their phones of the Todd Reasing and the, uh, you know, the turf and his helmet and all that. Um, but the, the 2012, the basketball, and, and you just mentioned this as a joke about, you know, I did very briefly think about changing the wedding. Uh, in 2012, um, I was the only sports columnist at Kansas City Star. Uh, Vahe had not um, been hired yet. And um, I got married. We got married uh, February 18th of that year. And um, when the basketball schedule came out, that was one of the first things I looked at is what am I going to miss for, um, you know, for the when, when we're on our honeymoon. And there it is. And um, uh, and it was the it was the second game, the one at Allen Fieldhouse. So um, I damn sure need to make the first one. Right. And as it happened, that game was in Columbia. Um, I don't remember the exact date, but it was the Saturday. It was the day before the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl that year was in Indianapolis. I was there for the uh, in Indianapolis for the Super Bowl. Um, there's no way I'm going to miss this game. I drive from I don't know how far it is. It's probably four or five hours, oh, five or whatever. And a half from, hours, yeah. Yeah, from Indy to to Columbia um, for that game, and that game was amazing. And um, I, it was it was intense. It was as loud, I thought at the time, as loud as an arena could get. Um, I thought the basketball was really good. The intensity was as, as high as ever. And, um, you know, Mizzou went like, it, it, just, it was a, a beautiful game. And I remember driving back from Columbia back to Indianapolis. I'm like, you know what? Like, damn straight. Like, that, that was an incredible thing. I'm glad I did it because there is no way that another KU-Mizzou game is going to live up to that. <laughs> And and then the second game, I don't remember the exact date, but it was shortly after February 18th because um, I watched that game from um, 
a hotel room in, in Hawaii and was just like, oh, <laughs> this looks like a better game than, yeah. uh, than, than, the, than the one I watched before. And then, I, um, and, and it was because uh, you remember like Bill Self's fist pump after that, when, when they finally won, um, when uh, <laughs> the no call at the end on the block shot, right? Uh, that was as emotional as I think Bill Self has ever been, including the national championship. And, and there was a couple years later where it was kind of a very similar game. They were playing West Virginia, and um, West Virginia was up a ridiculous amount, something like 19, 20 points with not very much time left. And, and KU came back and won. And, uh, and I can't remember if it went to overtime or what, but KU won. And afterward, Bill said something like, that's the best game I've ever coached here. And he said that, and I was like, what about Mizzou game? And he was just like, eh, except for the Mizzou game. You know, it was like, it was like that game is just always there as, as the standard. And, um, you know, again, these, these games in December um, will not be able to live up to that, but they don't have to to be the most interesting non-conference games that, that either team plays. Well, and I thought it was perfect, and I'll let Mitch finish up after this, but I, I thought it was actually perfect that that year in the Big 12 tournament that Kansas ended up losing to Baylor, so Missouri played Baylor in the uh, in the title game because everybody was pointing toward Mizzou-Kansas and, like, this is the rubber game on Mizzou's way out the door. I thought it was perfect because it continued to just let each side sit there and go. Kansas said, well, we just won our 27th straight, and Missouri could go, yeah, but we got screwed by the refs, and we were tied one to one. There was no resolution, and I thought it was great that way. Yeah. No, that's a fair point. I, I was heartbroken. Um you know, when, when KU lost that game, we sort of got robbed from, you know, the rubber match. Because uh, both those teams were fun. That that Mizzou team is one of my favorite college basketball teams of all time to watch. Of just, like, the, the ball movement and the guards. I mean, um, you know, there, there's just a few teams like that that, that I can think of that, um, that played that way. And that, that was that Kansas team that um, – you know, the plucky underdogs in, in Kansas. I mean, they, they were number two seed and they had a first team All-American, um, you know, went to the national championship game and lost that team full of freaks from Kentucky. That was, that team was incredible. Um, yeah, I was, I was heartbroken at the time, but you're probably right. It kind of left each side, like able to claim some weird victory. Mm -hmm. I also thing. remember from that day of the uh, kind of the surreal moment of, you know, Mizzou beating Baylor, obviously in the championship game. And then, you know, the SEC chance breaking out and I'm like, hell yeah, this is, this is college stuff. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Last thing for you, Sam, I know we've talked obviously about the basketball series between the two teams and it's kind of fitting as Gabe pointed out uh, in his column that that's kind of what's revived first because it's always been more of a basketball rivalry. Uh, it sounds like football, maybe there's some work to, to try to get it done. Are you, are you all on board? Do you say, Hey, bring this on in football as well? Yeah, for sure. I think it's harder to schedule. Um, you know, you, yeah. you just have fewer openings, just logistically. Um, but it, I, I think that both sides want it to happen in football as well. I mean, Barry Odom has been, you know, very open about that. And uh, I don't know if Les Miles has been asked about it, but, um, you know, this is not a guess, um, but he wants it to happen. You know, I, I think that uh, I don't I don't know how much of a secret that is, but uh, Mizzou you guys know better than I do. It's 2026, right? The next opening, I think, that, that Mizzou has. That, and I think that sounds KU, right, yeah. KU's next one is like 23-ish, something like that. Um, you know, you can buy games out. Uh, and, and certainly uh, just from a financial standpoint for, for both sides, that would probably be worth worth doing. But just logistically, it's harder to happen. But um, I think there's enough motivation on both sides, um, you know, that – 
that it'll happen. And I, and I would even bet that it would happen before 2026 when Mizzou has a, you know, technically their next opening. Yeah. Well, Sam, appreciate all the time, man. We're going to let you get back to writing about knee braces and school teachers <laughs> that are starting against the Packers. So. Exactly. All right. <laughs> Thanks, all right. Have a good one. Sam Mellinger, right. Kansas City Star columnist. And, and we definitely wanted to get somebody from Kansas City because, look, this that's where, like John Sunvold said, like I can tell you, that's the heart of this thing. I mean, if you're a Missouri fan from Cape Girardeau, if you're a Kansas fan from Emporia, you hate the other side, but it's a little different than when you live in it and work with these people and go to school with these people every single day. Yeah, that's always the funnest part of, of a rivalry. And what makes a rivalry a rivalry is when you you know you have to butt heads with the fans and like you right. dread going to school or whatever. Like Louisville, yep. what growing up in Louisville with Louisville, Kentucky, like you you would I would root so badly for. At Louisville to win just so I didn't have to face people who liked Kentucky at school. <laughs> hey, well, and I always laugh at, and there's a lot of them on our message board. I know a lot of them in real life, like people that know a business is owned by a Kansas person and they won't do, and people that <laughs> maybe married a fan of the other school and people say, how can you? No, that's what makes it fun, right. and that's yeah. the good part of exactly. it. I, I would hate to just agree with everybody in my life all the time. Exactly, yeah, so. So we're, yeah, we're, we're uh, very pro rivalry. Yeah, Missouri and Kansas are playing basketball, and uh, and that's a good thing for all of us. All right, now we're going to turn our attention to football. As we mentioned, Mizzou and Kentucky Saturday night in Lexington. We're talking with Jeff Drummond from Cats Illustrated, part of the Rivals Network, covers uh, the Wildcats for that side. Jeff, first off, uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, let let's get the important stuff out of the way because. I know that coaches are always honest with us. Who's playing quarterback for Kentucky this week? <laughs> Your guess is as good as ours. And uh, yeah. I don't think we're going to get any, any hints at all uh, from this staff the rest of the way they've, they've decided that, you know, it's to their advantage to have the opposition guessing, even though I've argued that that, you know, the strategic advantage from that is probably minimal since everybody they face is going to be, obviously spending time on some Lynn Bowden <laughs> packages yeah. or, or they should be. Uh, so my, my expectation is that we'll probably see both of those guys at some point, but I think Lynn Bowden's still going to be in there for the majority of the game. Just kind of to piggyback off that. I mean, Missouri actually is, it's been very good uh, against the run since the first game of the season, but has struggled a little bit at times with running quarterbacks. Who matches up better against Mizzou? Is it Sawyer Smith or is it Lynn, Lynn Bowden? Yeah, that's a, a weird deal because I've, I've heard different things and I've seen a couple of Missouri's games. and uh, it, It's kind of, kind of a 50-50 thing, uh, like their decision, you know, um, Supposedly Vanderbilt gave gave them some problems. I understand a little bit last week. A couple, week. yeah, <laughs> with with a guy who can run a little bit. But it, and then some early, earlier games this season, some uh, quarterbacks have, have real quarterbacks, legit guys have have fared pretty well at times. So I would think that with the success they've had with Bowden, and especially being able to do what they did, uh, you know, against Georgia last week, Georgia one of the better defenses in this league. Um, Kentucky moved the ball uh, pretty well that night. Uh, got up and down the field, just shot themselves in the foot a whole lot and, and, and couldn't finish drives off because ultimately, you know, it came down to when they needed a pass in those conditions, they just couldn't do it. And unfortunately, probably for both teams, it sounds like we're going to have just a nasty, uh, damp, wet game again on, on Saturday night. <laughs> 
Yeah, I saw that. I saw a thing that said that it, it could rain six inches in Lexington on Saturday. Is that right? Well, I, I haven't heard a number that large, but you know they are they're saying heavy downpours at times, and they up the percentage awesome. to one hundred. One hundred. I mean, look, if a weather guy says there's a hundred percent of something percent chance of something happening, like there's no question because those dudes can hedge their bets. Yeah, definitely. I I, I hope that they're having one of those times when they're wrong but uh you know we talked to some of the kentucky players the last two days and asked them you know sounds like you could be back in those conditions again and i was kind of expecting them to dread that and and not want any part of it but almost to a man they said they like playing in it well <laughs> uh, and they're kids you know they have fun playing in that like i would almost think it, that might be something that like look maybe given the choice they wouldn't do it but I would think it maybe helps Kentucky more than most teams as they're currently put together because Kentucky doesn't want to throw the ball anyway you know I I mean I think they've attempted what 16 passes in the last two weeks and if Lynn Bowden's the quarterback that's not at all what they're trying to do so I'm not sure it would hurt but my question teams these last couple teams that have played Kentucky with Bowden at quarterback, what have they? What's the approach been defensively? Because if I look at it, I say, "Look, you just put nine guys in the box and say, I, I don't know, we're going to man up the two outside receivers, and if he's good enough to beat us throwing, then he's good enough to beat us throwing." But you can't let Lynn Bowden run for 150 yards, and that be the reason you lose a game. Yeah, it, it seems like it would be real elementary yeah. <laughs> as far as the the defense is concerned. But both Arkansas and Georgia tried to load the box up. Uh, there were times when uh, both of those teams had all 11 defenders within five yards of the line of scrimmage. And Kentucky still ran the ball. It, it's just kind of a – I think it's a tribute to – number one, Kentucky's got a really good offensive line uh, when they're not committing penalties and, and shooting themselves in the feet. They, they're really strong up front. And number two, Lynn Bowden's just a phenomenal athlete with that kind of – god-given sense of how to make guys miss and how to time things and and make a play when when maybe a hole isn't even there he's still able to find something and and create it's the kind of guy uh, we've actually enjoyed it watching it on kentucky's side of things this season this kind of quarterback has driven the wildcats crazy for years and years and years and they're they're kind of having a little bit of a chuckle being able to do it to other people now Jeff, just on the other side of the ball, I know Kentucky lost some big names from last year. Obviously, Josh Allen and uh, Mike Edwards, defensive back, a couple other guys who who got drafted. But the the defense numbers wise has still been pretty solid, uh, especially against the pass. What what's kind of their their strengths and weaknesses, and and what's the best way for for an opponent to attack them? Well, they came into this season having lost the entire secondary, um, four starters from last year, the fifth guy who played in that rotation, and then the best guy coming back who was expected to be a star coming into the season. So six guys from last season's secondary were, were all gone, and everybody said, uh-oh, you know, there's no way to really recover <laughs> from that. But the people back there have, have shown steady growth. Uh, they've recruited well, and, and they've developed these guys pretty quickly. And it's one of the stronger areas of the, the team now. And the, the defense overall, even though – they've given up uh, some yards at times has been fairly stingy as, as far as giving up points. And, and that's the bottom line. 
I haven't I haven't watched a ton of Kentucky. I've seen a little bit. I think people listening to this are going to look and go, ah, four and four, one and four in the league. The only wins Arkansas. Look, everybody expected a little step back from Kentucky, but I think, like when you look at the schedule, Kentucky had to think if we can get through the Missouri game, you know, at at four and four. I guess they're three and four right now. But if we can get through the the Missouri game at five hundred. I mean, their last four weeks are Tennessee at Vandy, Tennessee, Martin, and Louisville. Like, this is a team that right. should go on a four-game winning streak after Saturday, regardless of what happens on Saturday, isn't it? Yeah, this has been kind of circled on their calendar uh, all year as kind of the big swing game uh, for the Cats. I don't know how, how it's been viewed in, in Missouri, but it's kind of that one game that they think could either tip it, the momentum in Kentucky's favor to finish strong, or maybe to continue struggling. And that's the way the schedule kind of sets up. It's it's really backloaded as far as the favorable games. At, plus, they've got four of the last five are at home. Uh, it's a big deal for them. And the only game on the road is at Vanderbilt, which is always a pro-Kentucky crowd uh, down in Nashville. There's always more Kentucky fans there. So they'll, they'll have more fans at every game from here on out than the opponent does. Uh, could loom large for them if they can – Get by. This is a big one for them, and uh, you know they're not trying to dodge that question <laughs> at all. Yeah. They're not calling it a must-win or anything like that. But if, if they want to have a successful season and, and, and kind of have a chance to get back to another nice bowl game, they they need to win Saturday. Well, Barry Odom can tell you having more fans at Vanderbilt might not be important. He might tell Mark Stoops make sure his offense gets on the bus because <laughs> Missouri's didn't last weekend. Um, you know, but this is really this is the kind of what Barry Odom's done the last two years. Like just get through the first half and then you look up and, and the last third of the season is, Oh man, we're going to be favored by double figures in all these games. But when it comes to this series specifically, do Kentucky's guys kind of view this as, Hey, we expect to win this game because they've won this four years in a row. And really the last two, I think Missouri walked away going, I'm not, especially last year. I'm not real sure how we lost that game, but Kentucky's always managed to make just enough plays to win it. Yeah, I, I don't quite get that sense. It, it seems like from this end, there's an awful lot of mutual respect in this one between the coaching staff and and the players. You don't you, you don't see a bunch of that where Kentucky feels like you know they're superior. Now, it's a little bit different with the South Carolina series. Kentucky has a, had a similar streak going against those guys. I think they won five in a row, and there was this feeling that no matter what Kentucky did year after year. South Carolina was always voted ahead of them in the preseason poll at SEC media days. And people viewed that as a better program. And Kentucky kind of had a chip on its shoulder uh, because of that. But but with Missouri, it, it seems to be viewed through more of a prism of, of them being equals. And, and that may have been played out kind of in last year's game, which was, you know, about as tight as you could possibly have a game played. It still goes down. Uh, you mentioned, I don't know how, Missouri didn't win that. I still don't know how Kentucky did it yeah. because it was the best it was the best second half of defense I've ever seen any team play. I in, in my time, you know, I've covered this team for almost 30 years and I've never seen anybody have like whatever it was, eight straight three and out yeah. possessions on defense. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um 
We've kind of, I think, a couple times drawn some parallels between you know what what Mark Stoops has been able to do at Kentucky and maybe like the goal for a coach like Barry Odom at Missouri. And you know he he's obviously built when he took that program over. They were winning two games a year. He built it up to win ten games last year. You know, even if if things don't go great down the stretch, say they end up you know five and seven, six and six. I mean, he's built enough goodwill amongst this fan base that he can withstand a couple lean years, right? Well, you, you would think so, and I think specifically from the administration standpoint, that, that's the case. He, he wouldn't be on any kind of hot seat if they fell short of expectations. But the fans have been a little bit grumpy <laughs> this year. And, uh, you, you know, you, you can't spoil you, them with 10 wins, then they coming. expect 10 wins. <laughs> exactly. And they want that bar raised every year. But, you know, with considering – they lost the most productive offensive player in the school's history, and they lost the most productive defensive player in school history and the entire secondary. And people were predicting going into the season, you know, nine wins. Uh, that was consistent. You know, going down the schedule and saying, yeah, this team ought to be 9-3. And I just said, you know, hold on. <laughs> you know, pump the brakes a little <laughs> bit on this. And it seemed like even though – you know, they're playing a wide receiver at quarterback now. People haven't shifted the expectations a whole lot. Uh, they were angry last week when they lost to Georgia because the defense <laughs> played so well, and they, they, they thought they should have won at Georgia. Uh, but uh, that's a good thing, and Mark Stoops embraces it. He said it's because, you know, people care now. Uh, a lot of places regionally and nationally still view Kentucky from the outside as a bunch of fans who are sitting around waiting for midnight madness mm-hmm. and for for basketball to tip off, uh, but it's it's really not the case at all. The people here are like really hungry for sustained football success and to be kind of a player on the national stage every year. Well, I don't mean to feed into that uh, stereotype, but we would be remiss if we didn't address like we're within you know a few days now of college basketball open up. Kentucky opens with Duke in the Champions Classic. I, I think they're number three in the country. I mean, it's just another you know Halloween where hey, the expectation is this is a team that should win the SEC and go to the Final Four and cut down nets, right? Hey, hey, they wish they were opening with Duke this year, but they ha- actually have to play Michigan. Oh, State, I confused the, the matchups one. on that. Okay, my bad. They played number one Duke in it last year and absolutely got curb stomped <laughs> like uh, no Kentucky team has ever been beaten before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now they, they have to turn around, and all, all you do is ask them to play the number one team again. So, uh, yeah, but it's it, Hopes are high around here because uh, they return some veteran players for a change. Uh, they've got uh, a junior coming back and, and two or three sophomores who have decided to come back. I think that's slowly the attitude around I have to be a one-and-done guy is starting to change. And, and with su- some success stories like we had uh, last night, P.J. Washington played his first game in the NBA and uh, set a record with seven three-pointers, 27 points for the Hornets. And uh, nobody in NBA history has ever had seven three-pointers in their debut. Uh, So you can bet that John Calipari's out there pumping that out to every recruit he talks to, every young kid saying, hey, you don't have to be one and done. It's great if we we can do that and if you're ready for it. But if you have to come back and work on your game a little bit, and that's what some of these guys have done, guys like Ashton Hagens and Emmanuel Quickly and E.J. Montgomery. Um, they look like totally different guys 
uh, with a second year, uh, you know, a full year under their belt going into a second year. All right, well, Jeff, appreciate your time and uh, bring an extra umbrella that Mitchell can borrow on Saturday <laughs> night. <laughs> You're going to need it. I would uh, suggest waterproof everything. And uh, <laughs> man, it's not just the rain here; it's 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 the wind too. This is the windiest place, you know. Chicago gets that moniker, uh, but th- this game could be some kind of something if it's the uh, the weather they're predicting. Well, that sounds like a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> Take care. All right, so thanks again to Jeff Drummond, to John Sunvold, and Sam Mellinger for talking uh, MUKU hoops with us a little bit. Mitchell, you are off to uh, Bass Pro to buy a bunch of rain gear before you leave for Kentucky. I'm just going to go ahead and buy a boat and make the journey by by boat. <laughs> it's a, you're going to kayak to a night game on the road. This is, this is your favorite weekend, be honest. Yeah, I mean, at least. I'll say this. The only... Small glimmer of hope is uh, my family's from Louisville. I get to have my mom's cooking Friday night. Uh, after that, all downhill. Also, Late. Kentucky's not going to throw a pass, so this game could be over in two hours and <laughs> That would be minutes. good. That would be huge. It, that was the one bright side it, of the Vanderbilt game. It was, like, terrible to watch, but it was very fast. I and mean, the downside important. of this is it could be nothing-nothing and decided on two-point conversions <laughs> in the sixth overtime. God, that would be amazing. What if what if we get, like, an 11-9 final? Like it goes into overtime 0-0. We trade some field goals, and then one team makes a two-point conversion in fourth overtime. That would be something. So, yeah, final 11 nine there you heard it look we have no idea what to expect but 6 30 saturday night I, the game's on tv i don't remember which channel but probably sec network yeah i don't know one of the ones that carries sec football games i trust you guys to find it without asking us because you're great at that so thanks for listening um we'll be back next week probably try to talk a little basketball because uh missouri does have uh, an exhibition game next friday night the women actually have an exhibition game tonight, so uh, kind of getting into crossover season where we're going to be doing both sports. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next Thursday.